Hey guys, and welcome to a brand new episode of Nerd Stock Movies. My name is Taylor, and I'm going to be your host today. Joining me, as always, are my two wonderful co-hosts, Tristan Benz and Drew Garrison. Drew, I want to start with you. How you doing? It's like this movie, man. Uh, feel like I have feel like I'm having a mini existential crisis because of it. Yet at the same time, I love it. So, eh. this movie makes you. I don't want to say it makes you think, but it just makes you go like, damn. A lot of, at best, morally gray. At best, morally gray. At worst, it's just like, oh yeah, there's not really that many good people in this movie. But it's still Mm -hmm. so entertaining and so compelling that uh, just, man, I can't wait to get into it. And let's throw it over to our other co-host, Tristan. How you doing, man? I'm doing well, Taylor, and you know why? Why? Because I've got a great ass! <laughs> There's a quote from the movie, everybody, if you didn't, if you didn't watch the movie. Uh, <laughs> Al Pacino says that, talking about uh, mm-hmm. Ashley Judd. Maybe Tristan was just feeling himself, okay? I do have a great ass, though, I've been told. There you go, man. There you go. Well, you saw the title. I hope by what Tristan said, you know the deal by now. Today, we're talking about Heat. Here is a synopsis for Heat, courtesy of IMDb. Quote, a group of high-end professional thieves start to feel the heat, see what they did there, from the LAPD when they unknowingly leave a clue at their latest heist, end quote. Now, I'm about to get into the cast and crew and all that, but I also, I just gotta share this. For years and years, I've always told my friends, and I think I've said it on Power Up and Game, you know, I really want to see a Grand Theft Auto movie. And nobody's ever told me that this movie exists. Like, Heat is Grand Theft Auto. Why why has it taken me so long to watch this? I mean, you know, you just just head under a rock, I guess. Apparently, like, this is... You you were just constantly turning the corner when you saw the heat, you know, coming around. (laughs) I would not be surprised if, like, I don't know if you guys have played GTA Five, but if the story for GTA Five was inspired by Heat in some yes. kind of way. Michael is very is very Neil McCauley coded. Yeah, mm-hmm. and the heist in G I read this the heist in GTA Five apparently was inspired by this heist, like the street shootout stuff. I 100% believe that. I thought about the GTA 5 heists and also the GTA 4 one with mm. Nico, where you're just going through the streets. So, yeah. yeah, it was just one of those things while watching it. I'm like, this is the GTA movie I've wanted for so long, and it's existed. I believe this movie came out in 95 since I was born. So, this is just a dream come true for me. Uh, but <laughs> here are some of the main cast for the film, along with director and writer credits. Again, this is coming from the old internet movie database. It was directed and written by Michael Mann. The very long main cast goes as follows. Al Pacino as Lieutenant Vincent Hanna. Robert De Niro as Neil McCauley. Val Kilmer as... Oof, this might be tough for me. Let's call him Chris, you know. Chris Shalaris? I think that's it. As Chris, Chris let's S. just go with that. Let's just treat him like a substitute teacher and just say, uh, Chris S. <laughs> John Voight as Nate. Nate got no back last name, so there you go. John Voight as Nate. 
Tom Sizemore as Michael Torito, Ashley Judd as Charlene, Diane Vernara as Justine, Amy Brennerman, Brennerman as Drucker or as Edie, McKeady Williamson as Drucker, Wes Studi as Castles or Castles, I think is how it is. I think so. Ted Levine as Bosco. It is kind of funny. Ted Levine is doing his Leland Stoudemire voice, and right. he looks just like Leland Stoudemire for those who love Monk. And part of me was like, oh, man. So he just goes from this movie and just moves to San into Francisco. Monk, into, into also the Fast and the Furious. Where oh, yeah. Yeah, he had the same cadence that. and everything there. Yeah. But then later on this movie, he gets shot and killed. And it's like, oh, no. Nah, that, well, I guess that's an impossibility at this the, point. It's the end of this character. Yeah. Dennis Haysbert. <laughs> The greatest fictional president of all time. Many have said that. <laughs> Donald Breeden, who is not the president in this movie. Uh, Danny Trejo as Trejo. William Fitchner as Roger Van Zant. Natalie Portman as Lauren. And Kevin Gage as Wayne Grow. Uh, lastly, movies and TV shows are driven by more than just a director, writers, and a cast. There are hundreds, sometimes thousands of people who are working hard on each prod, uh, project. So for each movie or show we cover, we also spotlight either a certain group of the crew or a specific crewmate, depending on what we think is the movie or show's best trait. Cast members not included in the main cast section are also eligible to be selected for this part too. Gotta admit, I don't think we're picking anybody from the cast because they're all in the main cast section. For me... I feel like this is a film that you could really spotlight a lot of things as its best quality. The music, the art design, the people behind the casting. I mean, look at the main cast there. But I'm going to go with the stunt coordinator, Joel Kramer, and all of the many stunt people involved in the film. The action sequences were outstanding, and to be quite honest, I think the aforementioned failed heist shootout is the scene that solidifies this choice for me. Drew, what group of the crew, or who are you specifically going with? I'm going with the set, set designer, Steven Schwartz. Like, these these sets are, like, really good. It's like, I could see these sets being, like, reused just, just to call back to this movie. Because it is, like, these are some nice sets, especially for, like, a realism-type movie. Uh, Tristan, what about you? I want to shout out the composer Elliot Goldenthal because man, he just, this movie is tense as balls, and it would not be as tense if it didn't have just the this this score, especially the the final scene. Yeah, where it just calms down too afterwards, like whenever he's, he's holding Macaulay's hand. Yeah, like that shit is bussin' disrespectfully. Mm-hmm. Dare I say <laughs> disrespectfully. Uh, but <laughs> putting all my cards on the table here, I decided to watch this movie on the day of recording, and I did not know it was a three-hour film going in, so I didn't have the time to do any research for fun trivia bits or come up with some narrative that I usually try to spin before we dive into the episode proper. Uh, so I'm gonna throw this prelude over to the man responsible. Would you like some trivia? Yeah, Drew, if you feel like going in, go in. Yeah, I know a little bit about this movie. Uh, So, 
Um, in an interview with Al Pacinco on the DVD, Al Pacinco revealed that for the scene... Al Pacino? Why are you calling him Al Pacinco? Uh, <laughs> Have you never I, heard anyone say Al Pacino before? He's the right back no. Kansas City Chiefs. <laughs> Football fans will love this. Okay, but um, Pacino revealed that for the scene in the restaurant between Hannah and McCauley, Robert De Niro felt the scene should not be rehearsed so that the unfamiliarity between the two characters would seem more genuine. So um, Michael Mann agreed and decided that there would be no practice rehearsals. And uh, I can't remember if this was in the interview, but from what I've heard, they apparently got it on the second take and only because like the acting was so good from the two that they legitimately stunned each other. Oh. Now they, they did multiple uh, takes, apparently, even though they got it like early in the beginning. Uh, that I, I heard from an interview they did with Chris Nolan for like the movie's 20th anniversary. I want to say, um, but yeah, no, it's, it's a fantastic fucking scene. Yeah. Also for the final bit of trivia, just because Tristan like said it as a joke and I was planning on mentioning as a joke, but now I can't, uh, Michael Mann noted that, that Al also improvised the line because she has got a great ass. And it was an unexpected outburst that scared the hell out of Hank, Hank Azaria. It was, that was so funny to figure out. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and as part of that, I guess I remember more trivia than I thought. Uh, it's not in the script, but they are not in the movie, but they cut a scene where like his character, Al Pacino's character, Hannah is chipping cocaine. So he's on, on a little bit of Coke throughout the movie, which is why he acts like a madman sometimes. But, I thought know. that was just his personality. <laughs> yeah, nah. I thought it was either that or it was just like, you see what this man's went through. Like, his job, like how mm. bad the scenes are, and you're just like, this is a guy that, I don't I don't think you guys have seen True Detective. I've asked you guys this before. But it reminds me of Russ Cole from mm. season one. To whereas his whole personality is basically... I am just secluded. I have to be this certain way to track down these monsters that are out there. And for him, it felt like I got to just be me or Mm -hmm. I'm not going to be able to like function. So it was either that or cocaine. (laughs) It's both. It's both. both. Yeah. He essentially says that in like the best scene ever, but we'll talk about that later. (laughs) Is it the ass scene? No, well, I mean, <laughs> any, any ass scene's going to be up there and one of the best ever. But no, during the, the aforementioned diner scene. But I figure we'll dissect that, you know, yeah. later in the show. Well, Tristan, real quick, why did you pick this movie? Because it's a good movie. And I watched it recently and I'm like, damn, it's great. We should talk about this. And uh, yeah, it was real good. It's a nice change of pace from the normal shit we, we talk about. Yep. Well, let's start with you, though. What are your general thoughts? It's a great movie. Uh, after watching it, it is on my my list, my infamous list. The list changed since last we discussed it. Uh, Heat is now on there. I'm still rejiggering where everything else is going to be, but Heat is, is certified um, on the list. It is Heat. It is gas. It is fire. Um, from stem to stern, just pretty much everything about it is fantastic. There are a couple bits where I'm like, this doesn't feel wholly necessary, but all right, whatever. 
and Taylor, you mentioned one before we recorded. <laughs> oh, we're getting, in, and, we're getting yeah, into we'll, it. We'll get, we'll get into that. But uh, no, I mean, I, I, I love this movie. I see why, you know, everyone has been talking about how amazing a movie it is for the last almost 30 years uh, since it came out. What's funny is I was telling my brother, like, yeah, man, I got to watch uh, Heat later. And he was like, really? Why do y'all fit that movie? It's like, it's three hours long, and it's, like, boring. I'm like, really? And he said, well, <laughs> okay. I was ten years old when I watched it, so <laughs> what do I know? I'll probably, if I rewatch it now, I'll probably love it. So it was just one of those things to where his ten-year-old self was like, yeah, this sucks, and he told me this, so I'm going in like, maybe my brother was right. And then it turns out, my brother at ten years old was a fucking moron. Had no goddamn taste. Hey, you know what? I will admit he's gotten better with age, with his taste in movies, so credit to him there. But uh, I don't know what he was smoking at 10 years old because this Maybe he too was chipping cocaine. Maybe. (laughs) I was just about to say. He got into Vincent Hanna's stash. Besides the point, this movie's spectacular. It is... I don't really know how to really classify it. Heat is a movie that is three hours long, but honestly doesn't feel like it. Other than a few things that I'm like, that's interesting. Where's that going to go? And then it doesn't really go anywhere. And you wonder why you did it. Like, why did we spend 10 minutes here on this subject? And it never went anywhere. But other than that, it's got great action. Val Kilmer's really good in this movie. Al Pacino, Robert De Niro, also, like, they're the standouts, of course, in this movie to me. Uh, There are also, like, some people, like, John Voight. I honestly don't know why John Voight's in this movie. He doesn't, like, yeah, John Voight's just there. He's, he's, (laughs) I don't know what he's doing either. Like, I don't, I don't just mean, what's he doing in the movie? Like, what is he doing? No, I'm not saying, like, I'm not taking anything away from him as an actor. I'm just like, why is he here? Because his character's not that important. Look, I'm not taking things away from him as an actor. We know he's a good, we know he's a good actor, but yeah, but it's just his character. It's just a weird performance is all I'm Yeah, so it's not me even saying that it's bad. It's just funny to, like, in retrospect, look back on it and be like, yeah, John Voight was in this movie. They could have got somebody else cheaper. (laughs) This is, like, a halfway step from his normal, like, roles to him being the warden or whatever in Holes. Like, this is, like, the middle point where you're like, all right, there are choices being made here that are interesting, to say the least. I'm tired of this, Grandpa. Well, that's too, well, that's bad. too damn bad. <laughs> but great performances from a lot of people. Dennis Haysbert, Danny Trejo. I don't know if this was Danny Trejo's first movie or early on in his career, but it seemed like that they didn't really want him to have that huge of a role. But at the same time, like they understood, like no, nah, this guy's got something. He needs to cool. be a presence there. So. A lot of people did great in this movie. Drew, what are your general thoughts? I like this movie a lot. I do admit I do admit that uh you could probably take out like twenty twenty minutes of this film and just like it would still be as awesome. But uh it didn't matter to me. It's like I, I was enjoying myself the whole time. I liked the choices that they did to enhance the story and production. It was pretty cool. So uh yeah, I'm just having I'm just having fun with this movie. This is a really good crime movie. Yep. It really is. And it's kind of like I said earlier, right? This feels like GTA. 
Like exactly mm-hmm. what I would want out of it. Heists, morally gray to not good people as the main characters. And just this cat and mouse game. It reminded me also of The Fugitive, in a way. With Tommy Lee Jones having his own crew tracking down Harrison Ford's character. I didn't kill my wife! Thank you, Tristan. <laughs> I don't care! But this time away. around, it was like these two sets of crews, right? You had the lawmen going after the criminals, and the criminals just trying to evade and get that one last score. And it was just really nice to see that dichotomy between the two groups. And how similar but different they actually were. Tristan, where do you want to start with this, man? Because I don't really have a whole lot written out here for us to cover. That's a good question. I mean, I don't want to just start with the diner scene, even though it's just one of the best scenes ever. Can we start with Uh, my one problem? Yeah, let's start with your problem, because I just think it's funny. It's not even really a problem, because I find it to be very interesting. So at one point in the movie, they go to kill Wayne Grove, because Wayne Grove is just the dumbest criminal of all time. He kills one of the guards, and as a result, uh, I keep forgetting the main character's names. I just call him Robert De Niro and Al Pacino. I'm sorry. Uh, Neil, Robert (laughs) De Niro's character. Just no hesitation. He's like, well, fuck it. He killed one of them, so we gotta kill the other two. He kills the other two guards, but he's really pissed about it, so he wants to kill Wayne Grove because he kind of has this code. Whether or not that this makes him a better guy or you think it makes him more of a hypocrite, that's up for the viewer, I think. But Neil kind of has this code about him. He Just this honor among thieves. And Wayne Grow just violated that. So he was like, you know what? Let's kill this guy. And for some reason, Wayne Grow gets away when they try to kill him. Maybe it's because they try to kill him in a very public place. But Anyways, that could have something to do with it. Could have, but he goes. We don't see Wingrove for quite some time. You think he's just gone? Yeah. You think he's just like, all right, no more of this jabroni. But then we come back, and he just did the old devil's tango with a lady of the night, to say it as nicely as possible here. And then it just turns out this dude is not just a creep. He's not just a killer. He's also a serial killer because he kills this prostitute. And then the whenever they find the woman's body, they go, oh, the semen matches semen found on other crime scenes. So it implies, oh, man, there's they were working with been, serial killers. How is killing. this going to yeah. play into things later? This never gets brought up again. Not only yeah. that. I go, well, what's going to happen is either Robert De Niro's character, Al Pacino's character is going to learn that Wayne Grove was a serial killer doing all these heinous things. And as like morally great to bad as they are, that's a line that they will be like, nah, fuck that. We need to kill this guy. But it just never comes up again. Nobody ever learns about it. So I go, why is this a plot point? I guess they yeah. just wanted you to, I just they just wanted to kill him off or maybe he had like, Well, they could have killed him off regardless. I think it was to make him even more unlikable than he already was. But that that was unnecessary, though, because the way he killed the guard. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. But I guess it makes him even more of a scumbag, so at the end you want Robert De Niro to go like take him out. You're like, I get the need for vengeance. But then 
you know, he Robert De Niro doesn't know this guy's a serial killer. He does know that he killed Danny Trejo and Danny Trejo's wife. So, yeah. like, I guess that's vengeance enough. But also, it seemed like he and, like, Trejo was relatively new to the crew. So it's like, you know, like, are they that tight? But really, it was Wayne Grove that led to the downfall of the crew as a whole. So maybe he also blames him for uh, Tom Sizemore getting killed and, and uh, Val Kilmer getting shot. Just all their lives getting blown up in general. Uh, there's, so there's several motivations for, you know, why he, uh, Robert De Niro would want to go kill him in the first place. But yeah, the fact that they just bring up, this guy's a serial killer. And then it never really comes up again. You just see him as a general creep working for William Fitchner for the rest of the movie. It's like, oh, okay. That's a, that's a thing, I guess. And you have this really like emotional scene with Al Pacino comforting the family member of the victim. And it's like, man, this is really emotional. And it goes on for a while. And not like in a bad way. You're like, all right, this is dragging. You're like, damn, this is just some powerful acting. And then it's just like, all right, there's never really any never really any payoff for that. That family never really feels like they get justice because they never get any information on uh on, on what happens. I don't know. It is it is an odd placement in this uh in, in this uh movie. Yeah. Yeah, and the problem I have with it is like you said, like you just never get the resolution with it. But also it's a very compelling idea to throw into this heist cat and mouse game to be like, no, in between all that is this very evil person who's sadistic mm. as they come and nobody really knows about it. How is that going to creep into the story? And apparently, it just doesn't. It doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> Drew, what are your thoughts on it? It's just, it was like one of those moments where I felt like, okay, I feel like there was more with this and it was just lost on the cutting room floor at least that's my initial thought process otherwise then i don't get what it what um making him a serial killer was for other than padding and this movie definitely does not need padding (laughs) i don't know what's on the cutting room floor it's a three-hour movie bro release a snatter cut for this movie (laughs) (laughs) no thanks i don't need another four-hour movie but yeah, I I definitely was like weirded out by it. Though, though, um, it's like you do get some catharsis when he dies. It's like because like you see like the family's reaction and everything. So at the beginning of the movie, you're like, oh, I hope justice is upheld and everything. I hope they get catch this guy. And then it's like, oh yeah, technically it is. But it's like at the same time, it's like I don't think anyone really knows. <laughs> Yeah, it's that it's more like this feels more like karma than justice. Like this doesn't feel, you know, there wasn't a. If no one knows, then it's like, is it now we're just getting into what is justice? But it's like if the family does not I have any justice. sort of like vindication, is that is that justice? They don't get any comfort from that. I don't know. It's weird. It, it raises some questions for sure, which I think is a big point of a lot of the things in this movie. Yeah, yeah. It's not even a again. It's not even a bad thing because of how interesting it is to throw a foil like that into the fray. But it's just one of those things that I'm like, man, what happened there? Because it felt like there was more that we just didn't get, and that's really my only issue with the movie. Yeah, like I do think there was more with him because it's like he technically he is the dark reflection of Al and Hank. Uh, I mean not Hank of Al and uh. And uh, Robert, because both of them were like, they're the extremes of their personalities. They can't deny who they are. And maybe, and I think like he, I think like he's just supposed to be like, oh, I'm like, I am what I am. I feel like the, that's the whole thing that was supposed to be about him. This is just speculation, but that 
all three of them cannot um cannot change who they are. They know what they want, but they can't change who they are to get that. So I say that. Yeah, that's my thought on what he was supposed to be. I don't think that was accomplished in the end because we don't get to see inside this guy's head. We don't get to see him struggle with not wanting to kill. So yeah, not not much interiority with this with this guy. He's just there to be a, a creep. Yeah, so that is my that is the only way I can like I can like see it. But again, it's not actually in the movie. This is speculation. Yeah. Well, let's talk about Vincent Hanna and Neil McCauley here because these two main characters are two sides of the same coin. I love the weird respect they both have towards each other, but also honest the honesty that they have. Like, hey, I get backed into a corner. I'm going to kill you. Hey, if I had the chance, I'm going to take you down. It's just, it's one of those things that I never believed that they would actually hesitate mm-hmm. the whole time. Well, they said they wouldn't. Yeah, and that's the thing, though, is like you would think it would be, oh, they're going to hesitate at the end, or something's going to happen, and that's going to be how one of them dies. Not really. <laughs> that doesn't yeah, happen. It's, more... it's kind of refreshing. Yeah, and honestly, I'm gl- I'm glad about that because it does in it does like keep to the whole theme of the movie. It's like what you want versus what you versus who you are, and it's like they are they both are who they are, and that hesitation just cannot be there. It's like regard regardless of how much they try to um ch- change and everything, like when uh like uh trying to live that peaceful life that um I think it was Al. I also cannot remember the names of the characters. Vincent uh, Hanna and Neil McCauley. Okay, Vincent Hanna's Hanna. the detective and McCauley's the thief. Hanna is Al Pacino, yeah. Yes. McCauley is Robert De Niro. Yeah, so when, e- so when uh, he tells Edie that I am alone, but I'm not lonely, it's like he's he's lying, and the, that's the only thing he doesn't get right about himself. He is lonely, and it's like it's really interesting uh, to see that with Vin- to see that with Vincent and everything, but it's like he still knows who he is. That's the reason why um ne- that's the reason why um he and Neil don't hesitate. They know who they are. It's like they're going to uh they're they're going to kill each other when that time comes. And ne- and Neil, it's like I also thought like, oh, he's interesting too, because he is just like Vincent, but he tries to live that um to live the life that he knows he can't have and everything. He's on his third marriage for crying out loud. He just he can't. For the audience, yeah, Drew did have the names mixed up there. But God dang I, it. you're 100% right. <laughs> <laughs> the names are hard. That's what I was saying. Just stick to the actors, man. Like, it's, it's so much easier. You're 100% right, Drew. And I think another thing, too, is their actions at the end of the movie really show why one of them dies and the other one survives. And I think the reason why Al Pacino's character lives is because he accepts who he is. And it feels more positive the way he accepts it. Like, his stepdaughter is going to survive, and it's just this very, in a very dark time, this hope. Stepdaughter Natalie Portman. (laughs) I I did not know that at first. All these actors in this movie look so much younger than you would expect. It is 1995, but... I've never seen Robert De Niro this young in a movie. I've never seen. Yeah, no, you're him. like you're like, damn, this is thirty years ago. Huh. Yeah, <laughs> and meanwhile, John Voight just looks as old as John Voight looks like John Voight. I, 
that man is something else. And then you got Val Kilmer looking young. You got Natalie Portman. Like, there's so many people that's just like, man. Shout out, side, side note, shout out to Val Kilmer, because this movie came out the same year as Batman Forever. What a year that was for Val Kilmer. For better or worse. But my whole point, though, <laughs> being... Dang. Is Al Pacino's character, it felt more positive of him going, my stepdaughter's going to survive, I love my wife, I love my stepdaughter, but for my wife to move on and be happy, she cannot be with me. He finally let her go. Yeah, but reconciled in a way that's like, this is probably not going to work out, but that's okay, you know? No. And for Robert De Niro's character, it was more about, we're home free. I'm going to cut loose. This is it. I have everything I ever wanted. But he just can't let it go. Well, that's the thing. He he doesn't even follow his own code at the end. Yeah. You know? He he couldn't let that vengeance go. And he just, he, he, I mean, he did turn the corner when he saw the heat. Like, he's, the moment he saw, he's like, all right, bye. Didn't even say bye. He just peaced out, which, you know. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. He does and he doesn't because he cuts loose there. But like you said, he just should have left. Yeah. Can I just say that I love the use of the uh, lights in the tunnel for like the light bulb of him figuring it out. I thought that was a really brilliant way of showing like, oh, he figured it out. <laughs> and it's like it is also a good way of like changing like how you how you like view it because initially i thought the white light was like oh he's gonna get away and everything and then i realized wait a minute his face doesn't say he's like happy or that he's going away or anything it's like oh uh it's like oh let me go get that bitch that's the other thing too is i feel like the whole time he's driving on that open road it's him feeling like something's not right and Maybe this might be just me diving too much into the character, but I feel like it does fit for the character. He's kind of scared to actually live a life because he's lived so isolated and to live mm. life with another person. And he just doesn't want to do it. It would be so much easier yeah. for him to take that vengeance and take the risk. Which, no, I mean, and I, I think there's something to that because and well, I imagine we'll dive into it more later, like I said. But in the diner scene, when... Uh, he and Hannah are first talking and you know Hannah like runs down all the time he's spent in prison he's like you know what are you looking to be a penologist and he's like are you looking to go back and he's like well do you see me you know knocking over thrill seeking you know convenience stores with a born to lose tattoo on my chest like I'm never going back but at the same time he doesn't know how to be just a human. And he says that because he's like, what, you never wanted a, a normal life? And he's like, what, barbecues and ball games? Like, this is, I, I do what I know how to do. I don't really want to do anything else. So we see the opportunity that he has to do something else. And he just chooses to, you know, keep, uh, keep, keep going down that path. But it, he's at least true to himself that he's not going back. So at a certain point, it does seem like he had a little bit of a, of a death wish. And on the other side of that, Hannah Al Pacino's character got the opportunity to take that page and he could have left right then and there. And instead he goes, nah, fuck it, I'm done. He even says minutes, or, like before he even goes to the hotel and finds Lauren, uh, I think it's Laura or Lauren, Allie Portman's character. Uh, before all that, he just, he gives up. He's like, nah, he already left. There's no point in any of this. I'm calling it. It doesn't, 
None, none of this matters anymore. And he actually gives up his job momentarily for his family. And we see that later at the hospital. And it's not until his wife goes, no, it's fine. Like, you do have responsibilities. There's nothing you yeah. can do here right now. Like, this is who this is who you are. Yeah. Like, you have to get And that's what this. I'm saying. It's more of a positive acceptance of who he is. And hopefully, you know, things get better for the character. <laughs> we never get a sequel to Heat. But hopefully things did get better well, for the character there. Well, it seems like we, are, we will be getting a prequel. Really? About a young Neil Macaulay. Yeah, have you not heard about this? Michael Mann working on Heat 2. And guess who might be playing young Neil Macaulay? Who? Adam Driver. Ooh, wow. That's good. Yeah. But that's what I'm saying. Like, it felt like more of a just positive, like, hey, he got through, like, you mentioned the light of the tunnel. Like, in the tunnel, Drew. Like, it felt like he went through that tunnel and came out the other side better. Which, the other side, Robert De Niro's character, he went through that tunnel said, fuck that, I'm going back to my old life. I can't handle, like, Tristan, what you're saying, being a quote-unquote normal person. But, I don't know, I just found the duality of these char- these two characters just to be so freaking compelling. And, honestly, by far the best part of this movie. Oh, for sure. They made and that's not movie. even saying anything bad about anything else. It's just oh, yeah, no. They, this, this movie was very much pulled together by how freaking great these two are as actors like they are they are the the centerpiece of this movie despite the you know the great action and and the the overall suspense like this is there's a reason why you know people are always talking about this diner scene as one of the best uh best scenes of all time and it's the first you know on-screen scene they've shared together well, since we're already talking about Hannah and Macaulay, we need to go ahead and get into the diner scene. Bro, let's get in that fucking diner scene. Tristan, bro. you really wanted to get into it. Go off on it, man. It's so good, man. It's so damn good. <laughs> it's the start of everything I just kept ranting about. Like it's the- Oh, yeah. yeah. And it comes, like, halfway through the movie. Yeah. And the movie's, I mean, don't get me wrong, the movie's still good before the scene. Part of why... I watched this movie in the first place because I had just seen a clip of this scene, you know, years ago. And I was like, man, I have no context for this. This is good. Uh, So I was like, you know what? Let me just pop on heat. Let me just, you know, see what all the hubbub is about. And even before we get to that scene, I'm like, man, this is this is real good. I'm like, wonder when their paths are going to cross. And we get to that point in the middle. I was like, dang, this is the middle of the movie. We still got all this stuff left. I'm like, all right, let's see. And I get to that scene with now having all the context of, you know, the hour and a half before it. I'm like, damn, this is, uh, this might be the best thing ever. This is just incredible. The the way these two were mirroring each other, the clear mutual respect, but the fact that they're both like, you know, I will not hesitate to, to take you down if you get in my way. Uh, it's just, man. And, and you can tell, it's like, damn, in another life, these two characters, they could have been friends, but the cards they've been dealt and the paths they've chosen, it's like, this is just what it's going to be. And they're, they're on a collision course. And that the diner scene makes the heist scene and the shootout so much more impactful and so much cooler even because they've sat face to face and they are doing exactly what they promise each other. They do like Al Pacino says, you know, if it, if it comes down between you and some poor bastard, 
whose wife you're going to turn into a widow, then brother, you are going down. And it's like, man, he's he's going to take him down. And Robert knew he did not did not hesitate to to fire back. It's just, man, it's good shit, bro. It's yeah. good fucking shit. Not only that, what I was talking about with both characters coming out of the light and for better or worse at the end, both of, pe- both of these characters also go into this conversation kind of flipped when you look at the end of the movie. Because at the middle point of the movie, where the diner scene is, uh, Robert De Niro's character, doing pretty good for himself. Yeah. Playing out the heist. Doing all right. He has a new, you know, significant other. Like, things are going well. It seems like he actually might be able to have a life. He's thinking about what that might be. It's just very hopeful for him. Meanwhile, Al Pacino's life is falling apart. His wife is becoming distant because he's been distant, and it's just his life's coming apart as his as Robert De Niro's is coming together, and it just all culminates there. And then we get the end of the movie where it's flip flopped, and I think that's fantastic writing right there. And the diner scene in particular is just a masterclass in acting from both actors who are. Hall of Fame, best of the best of all time. Considered by many to be two of the greatest actors. Yeah, like, it's not like we're just sitting here going like, oh yeah, what a great underdog performance these two have put out. No, we're also dealing with two of the greatest of all time. It's Robert De Niro and Al Pacino. It's like, they're not only only seasoned um, veterans, it's like they were put in the oven, come back out to be like the souffle of the uh, acting world, so it's like... Yeah, even if some people think their name... Never pronounced, you know, Robert De Niro and Al Pacinko. I'm sorry, Joe. I'm never gonna let that go. That's that was fucking hilarious. That's, Honestly, that's it's not that bad of a name, though. For real, it's not that bad of a name. It's just like, wow, this is one of the it's a most famous actors of all time. I think that's my weeb side, just because it's like Pachinko machines are a huge thing in Japan, and that's why I thought mm. his name was this whole time. Are you also a fan of the actress Meryl Streep? <laughs> You know I am a Meryl Streep fan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hey, we figured that out last week. We did, we did. We didn't know how much of a Meryl, Meryl Streep fan, uh, but now we know. And no one can stop the battle. G.I. Joe. Look, Meryl Streep is like, if um, if Al Pachinko and Robert De Niro are like the souffle, <laughs> she is like the five-course wedding gig. It's like everyone looks at her and for a reason. What's funny, too. I grew up, the first movie I've seen Robert De Niro in was Meet the Parents, which, funny movie, <laughs> really funny movie, classic comedy, but at the same time, you go back and when you get older and you're like, what has Robert De Niro done? And you go, oh, he was like a completely different guy. Like, this was, like, Meet the Parents was like a novelty. It was like, oh, look at him doing the funny stuff. He doesn't do that. It's the joke we didn't get as kids, but it's like as an adult, yeah. you realize it went over your head. It's like the kids who grew up with uh, Ice Cube being the, what is it, the Are We There Are Yet? Are We There Yet? The movie? Yeah. It's like, oh, I wonder what Ice Cube what said. Oh my God, that's so much different than what I thought. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's very different from what you would expect. Drew, what are your thoughts on Dynasty, man? Like I have, I've talked about the Dynasty, it's like, it's amazing. It, it's definitely like 100% like, if you have if you didn't get their characters up till now, which I don't get how you didn't because it's kind of obvious, but if you didn't get their characters up till then, once that dynasty happens, it's like all of who they are is on display. You get 
everything in that scene. And it's also so good because it's like it shows how they view the world. It kind of it kind of shows like when I um when in, when I went into it, I realized, oh, both of these guys are just freaking psychopaths. <laughs> it's like they're good they're good at what they do, but they're also like kind of psych, psych psychotic. They're very um they're very tunnel visioned in their viewpoints and everything and they can't see anything different. I guess they're not so tunnel vision because otherwise they wouldn't have thought, hey, I could have this different life and everything. But it's like, at the same time, it's like, yeah, they, they kind of are. It's like, they can, it's like, I guess the best way to see it is like, it's kind of like a telescope. You can see other stuff through it, but your focal point is the main thing that you see. And it's like, it's also so good because you get to see like how both of them are so alike. And you realize like, if these guys were on the same side of whatever conflict, they probably would be like the greatest of all time. Greatest of all time. It's like if they were both thieves, they would be like the greatest thieves of all time. If they were both police officers, there'd be no crime. But it's like it's also like it's also like sad to see. Oh, it's like these two actually have a meaningful connection. It might be one of sort. It might be one of sort of wanting to one up the other, but they have kind of like this meaningful connection that is going to end super badly by the end of this movie. Well, badly for one of them. You say if they were both like detectives, they'd be the greatest of all time. But at the same time, neither of them could figure out that Wayne Grove was a serial killer. So how good are they? <laughs> That's a good point. That, that is a point. a point. That is a good point. So I feel like there's some holes in your logic. <laughs> I just think they just didn't care about him. <laughs> no, your, your, your point's good. I was just trying to be an asshole. But besides <laughs> getting to... Uh, I want to talk about this, actually. I think the point in the movie that I was like, oh, this is fine, too. All right, I'm starting to feel it. Whenever they go to the port where they think they're tailing the heist crew and they leave and they're like, oh, man, what are they looking for here? And Hannah discovers, oh, shit, we just got made. This was all a trap. And then you just, you see now from Robert De Niro's point of view, him just taking pictures. And that's when I think it fully clicks for the audience, at least for dumb people like me. That's like, oh, that's what this movie's going to be. This is about to become like just this psychological, like cat and mouse game between Mm -hmm. the master detective and the master thief. And I'm fucking here for it. Yeah. It's a great fucking scene. Mm Mm-hmm. It's a great fucking scene. We talked about these two. I was going to say enough, but you can never talk about these two enough. I was say, they're the main parts of the movie, you know? Like, they are, yeah. like, the focal points and everything. It's like, most most everything that happens revolve around their decisions and trying to one-up each other. Mm-hmm. But I want to get into some of the other characters, and one of those characters being Val Kilmer's. How'd you feel what about Chris in this movie? What a guy Chris is. <laughs> I think he was my favorite character outside of our main two leads. Yo, Keanu Reeves turned down the role of Chris. You're kidding! I'm not. I'm not kidding. Dead serious. I just read it. Keanu Reeves turned down the role of Chris to go uh, play Ham- Hamlet at the Manitoba Theater Center. I just read that on Wikipedia. So they went with Val Kilmer. I think Chris, like, what makes him a very interesting character for me is just how much of a fuck-up he is. He is, he is kind of a doof. Yeah, he's 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 a he's a fuck up, but I think what interests him the most in me is that he's technically the opposite of uh, Neil because yeah, like at the at the end of at the end of the day, it's like most of his fuck ups come from the fact that he can't like not care. Like that's his 
Like, that's his biggest flaw. It's like, he can't not care. He can't not want to give his wife the world. He can't not want to be with his, uh, I'm pretty sure it's his son. I honestly forgot what, um, sex his baby was, but it's, uh, yeah, it's like, that's his biggest flaw. He just, he can't not care. He can't not do anything for, anything for them. That's the reason why he has to go with the bank heist. It's like, I gotta do, I gotta do this. This is my last shot. It's like, if I don't, if I can, it's like, I failed my family. And that's like, that's his biggest thing. It's not even for him. It's for his, it's for his family. And that's why he's a fuck up because he's like, he can't be like, he can't be like Neil. He can't be that emotionless, take everything away in 30 seconds type of guy. Actually, see, that's the thing though. But at the end he does because his wife warms away, warns him away. And he's like, okay, bet I'm gone. Like, so we, we got an inverse there where the whole time he's the opposite of Neil. Even at the end, Neil's the one who gets emotional and is like, all right, I'm going to go kill Wangro. He comes back to see his wife and, and she's like, hey, she does her little finger motion and he, he gets it and they make that eye contact. And it's sad, but he dips out and you're like, damn, that's good shit. Hmm. The writing in this movie is so damn good. It's like poetry. Right it is. <laughs> yeah, and not only that, though, Chris has he has inner demons he has his problems and i think that's something that just you find yourself throughout the movie going like come on man get your life together like you you actually have stuff to lose and i really like how he and uh the other tom sizemore's character both have families so you're Mm -hmm. attached to like oh man i don't want them to die yeah they're not great people but at the same time you don't want them to die. And then you see the other side. You see Hannah's crew and their families. So the stakes are there. Right? So mm-hmm. when that shootout happens later, you're like, oh, damn, life's just got ruined. Yeah. Well, and it know. goes down to Den- Dennis Haysbert's character, who don't, I think don't rob is... Banks. I don't know how necessary his character is to the story, but I'm glad he's involved. Well, you have the yeah. same thought. I have the same thoughts the whole time. Like, damn, you know, you you know he's gonna get sucked back into a life of crime. You're like, this is sad. This sucks because he's getting treated terribly. And mm-hmm. then you you see, he's like, all right, hey, you still you you want to earn some money? Like, you want to drive? And you're like, oh, Dennis Haybert, don't do this. But what you don't expect is for him to die just fucking immediately. You're like, oh shit, like that was really sudden. You think he might become kind of like Chris, to where they're yeah. the two emotional cruxes of the movie that where you really want them to survive yeah and it's yeah. just like nope he died which is you know it's like damn you're gonna, you're gonna kill the, the one black guy on the crew immediately but then it's also like you know though it was very sudden and i feel like that would that was intentional like it was supposed to be how quickly things can go wrong you know and and shit went wrong immediately yeah drew you got any thoughts like, you guys kind of hit all the points I was going to, but yeah, it's like, it is crazy. I think the thing that also hits is that you see, it's not like where it's like you just see his crappy, um, the crappiness he goes through. It's like from point, from point one, you see like, oh, it's like this guy is pretty much being like put, is pretty much being like pushed on to, uh, like he's pretty much being pushed around and everything. And he's like trying to be, he's trying to be respectful of everything. The first thing that the, uh, that his new boss says it's like if you do anything i don't like i will call i will call your parole officer tell you you do drugs what drugs you killed someone hit someone whatever it's like dang man it's like he just literally here asking you for a job and it's like oh but that's like his that's like his life and everything 
I honestly think it's like a good way of showing like, yeah, I don't think anyone this guy has been with has probably like ever, ever like been able to like not go back to crime because it's like, what kind of lives are they going to lead? This life they, they have is like in this parole program is crappy. It's mm-hmm. not, yeah. it's not even, it's not, it doesn't make good money and they're disrespected the whole time. What, what are they going to like stay around? Why would they stay around here? And it drives home what Tristan was saying, right? That Donald comes in and he's like, yeah, he's, I, I'm a good frill cook and comes in respectful as possible. Like, hey, just give me a shot. Let's go. And instead, it's immediately met with like this hostility. So you immediately as the audience member go, damn, he tried. The hell's wrong with you? And so the whole time you're now attached to the character. So when he gets into that life of crime, you go, well, I hope it works out for him because that's a lot of money. So this might turn out pretty good. And then midway through the heist, you go, you go nope, psych. it didn't. It turned out horribly. This fucking sucks. And now I, I kind of want to get into the shootout because I feel like that's like something we've been avoiding this whole conversation. Mm-hmm. And I feel like it's the big, other than the whole diner scene and the main two characters, the shootout's the main point of this movie. It's where everything changes. For the worse. This shootout is one of the best action scenes I've ever seen in my life. I'm not saying it because there's something bombastic in it. I'm not saying it just because characters die. Well, it's because of all the build-up behind it. Yeah, it's the build-up. It's the way it's shot. It feels somewhat... It's going to sound bad, but it seems somewhat just... I don't say real. Visceral. Yeah, that, that's visceral. what I want. Visceral and and grounded, not grounded in the annoying way that people use the <laughs> yeah, term to talk about like superhero yeah. action movies, but grounded in the way that it's rooted in these characters and their personalities and the relationship that they've formed both with each other and with their respective you know crews over the course of the film. Like it's it's grounded in who these characters are and what we've seen from them. And on top of all that. There's the deaths, and you're just wondering, after the first character dies, who I believe is Bosco, Ted Levine's character, after he dies, you go, oh man, alright, he's gonna be the one character to die, and then Dennis Haysbert characters dies, and you go, oh shit, anyone's expendable here, mm. who's gonna Tom die? Tom Sizemore gets capped. Yeah, and then he gets capped, and then it's and just Val like, Kilmer gets oh, shot, man. and you're like, oh no, is Val Kilmer also gonna die? But you're like, no, yeah. we're gonna just take him to weird old John Boyd. <laughs> But yeah, it's just, it it sets up, like you said, Tristan, the build-up is perfect. And then we get the heist going wrong, and then characters start to die, and you're like, oh man, anybody is expendable here. And I kind of thought that for the main characters. I forgot that this was a three-hour movie by that time. I was like, we're kind of at the end here, aren't we? It's about to be just a 30-minute chase scene. And it's it's so expertly done, and the whole thing is just a war in the streets of L.A., it's fucking wild, man. It's fucking wild. You got so people just crazy. cowering behind taxis, and it's just, it's so excellently. And that's shot. part of why it feels so real. Because I mean, not look cool because there are people there screaming, but like even the performances from the extras, you're like, damn, they yeah. they understood the assignment. Like they yeah. their their checks were were the rent was due. These extras were fucking <laughs> going for it, and because of the way it was shot, like it does make it feel more grounded also in reality of like, yeah, no, there's, this is just a shit show all around. And these, you know, background extras are part of it. 
it, it breaks the audience's possible romanification, I guess, of what's mm-hmm. going on. Yeah. I don't think that's an actual word, by the way, but you guys know what I mean. I, you get, we it's get like, the oh man, these cool thieves that they're going to steal stuff, and then it goes wrong. And I think it reminds me a lot of uh, the Tarantino Reservoir Dogs. Mm. Where you're like, mm-hmm. oh yeah, all these slick thieves, what's going to go down here? And then we see the heist go wrong, and we actually see how it goes wrong. You're like, oh shit, there's stakes to it. This is not just all fun and games. It's not just going to be the cat and mouse game. And it just, it makes the whole scene elevated to me. Yeah, no, you're you're hitting the nail on the head there, Chief. You guys have anything else to add, or...? Again, it's like, I don't really know what to add besides how, like, jarring it is when you're first watching it, and it's like you're not expecting anything, and then it's like, oh my god, you just... So many characters that you've gotten to... So many characters that you've gotten to know just, uh... All like most of them die, and a few, and the few that survive, kind of like you know, like they're not getting away really in the uh, best light either. It's like it's just it hits so hard, like you don't expect it. Yeah, especially because the heist starts out so well. You're like, okay, shit's working. Like they're gonna get that fucking, they're gonna get that paper. Like go off, kings, and then yeah, and knowing <laughs> that just get mowed down. <laughs> yeah, and knowing that Robert De Niro's character is like, hey, everybody, chill out. Everything will be fine. You guys will be all reimbursed for it. We're not trying to hurt it. Like it felt like very, everybody, chill. We're gonna get our money, get out. You guys can move on, and get your money. Nobody's gonna be harmed at all by this process. And then as soon as they get out the door. We learn, nah, here's how it's really like. Yeah, everyone is going to be harmed by this process. Yeah. And it's just, it's so good for so many reasons. And the deaths, I think, is just the, <laughs> it's kind of just the cherry on top because it just adds to the stakes of the film. Because again, like, oh, we shit, saw the people matter. with families and like how, like how they interacted with their respective crews and what actually how those crews are now going to respond to it. So, I, oh, it's just 10 out of 10 scene for me. And if it wasn't for the stuff with Al Pacino, Robert De Niro would be the best scene in the movie. And in almost any other movie, this would be the best scene in the movie. Yeah. And, well, and, you know, it is one of those things where, like we said, this, without the diner scene, this would be the best scene in the movie. But without the diner scene, the scene also wouldn't be as good. So it's a weird... True. It, in 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 any I can't speak. Like you said, in any other movie, this would be the best scene in the movie. But because of that diner scene, that makes this so impactful. It's like, damn, you, it's you can't really have one without the other. Yeah, a hundred percent right. And that's where I look at the three hour runtime. And yeah, I made fun of it, but at the same time, I go, I'm not. Other than the serial killer thing and that, I just want them to add something to it. I actually wanted more spring time. <laughs> I wanted more stuff in this movie. Where's the six-hour cut? Yeah. yeah. Like, I don't want anything <laughs> taken out, to be honest, because I feel like everything does add. The family life of Hannah and his life falling apart and him trying to be a good parent for his stepdaughter and him being the one to be like, hey, look, she's not doing okay. 
We need yeah. to do something. And the mom, I'm just going to be flat out honest. The mom's a terrible mom. She's not, not the best mom. Not yeah. the best mom. And over here, just like, oh, no, she'll be fine. And you can tell the issue she has with her dad and just feeling like like she's disappointed. Or she's a disappointment to her father, which is just, mm. it's terrible. It's terrible. It's, but that's also absolutely. like, well, she's a kid, so that's just what yeah. she's going to, you know, that that's just how she's going to process this. I don't think you can take any of that out, because to me, it makes Hannah, obviously... Because at that point, you're like, yeah, okay, he's just the classic detective character who says crazy things. Like, <laughs> like she's got a great ass, and your head is all the way up it. Yep. And it, like, says crazy things like that, and that's the character you're supposed to like. But those scenes are why you actually like Al Pacino's character. Because you go, like, yeah, he's a psychopath, but he's, deep down, he is a good guy. And then you look at the other side of the coin with Neil, and time and time again, it's Robert De Niro's charm keeping the audience like, ah, I kind of like him. But every turn, he tells you why you shouldn't. Mm-hmm. Like, oh yeah, he's a career criminal and just not a great guy. Just because he has a code doesn't mean he's not a murderer. Yeah, and it's just, it's so expertly written. I don't think you can take anything out of this movie. It's good shit, man. Also, side note, we didn't talk about it. It was very funny when Al Pacino found the guy who was banging his wife, and he's like, you don't get to watch my TV. <laughs> he just took his TV, and I'm like, nice. Man's got his priorities. As, I think we were the last generation to grow up with backs of TVs. I miss, I miss those days. As the last generation that would see the back of a TV, it was very nostalgic to see mm-hmm. that scene. Like, what a simpler time. When, when you would have the... the just the the massive television wheeled into class, you know, just on the the <laughs> biggest cart you've ever seen. What a, what a time! Y'all remember the three audio video cables, red, white, yellow? Oh, yes. Don't get me started. I, As someone, I, I still have a GameCube. I, I yeah, I'm well aware of that. I, those are still an active part of of my life. When we when we when we got um HD when we got HDMI, and I found out it was all three in one. I like because I was the um, tech guy was of, my the family, of my entire family. <laughs> I was just in t- I was ready to cry because it's like one chord. They can do it themselves. I was wrong. They still don't do it themselves. <laughs> they can do it themselves. <laughs> that that seems that seems great though, Tristan. Because it's like you said, it it just shows his life falling apart, and he's like, you know what? I think he goes, you can bang my wife. You can sit in on her couch. You can live in her apartment, but you will not watch my TV. And he just takes like, you know what? Hey, man. <laughs> he he drew a line somewhere, and he stuck <laughs> by that boundary. And you know, you gotta respect it. It's a guess. it's a strange line to that's it's a strange line, line is, to draw. But, <laughs> but hey, you know, let he who is without sin cast the first stone. Who am I to judge? That true. That true. That. You guys have anything else you want to add to it? This is a movie that's kind of hard to talk about, other than the main characters, to be quite honest. Yeah. yeah. Other than just telling everyone that they need to watch this. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Wait, wait, what was I gonna say? Oh yeah. Um. So. Dang it! I forgot the names again. Robert. Um. I like Robert. I like the little detail that um. Following his rule of being out in thirty seconds, Robert has nothing in his apartment. 
and that is something that um that chris i remember him chris chris um he says uh he like he like comments gives small comments on it. it's like when are you gonna get um furniture and it's like um robert yeah, he's is sleeping on his floor <laughs> yeah sleeping on his floor and robert is and robert just says later and it's like we know he's not gonna ever get furniture because he he wants to be able to leave this place in a split second if he has to so it's it, it's a really good way of like using the this is why i say like the set design is pretty cool because you making an empty room interesting is really hard the set design honestly really cool uh, so I w- just wanted to talk about that because I thought that was fun. Good shit. Mm-hmm. Tristan, you got anything you want to talk about? No, just that people need to watch this movie. Yeah. It's a damn good movie. It's, it's got movie. everything you'd want in a movie. Really does. But besides the point, let's get out of here. Let's talk about what we're not. Well, let's actually talk about it real quick. Favorite, least favorite moments and final thoughts. Then we'll get out of here. Tristan, favorite, least favorite moments. Favorite diner scene, least favorite when this movie ends, because I'm just like, damn, I want to keep watching it. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, as for where you can find me and uh, what I'm working on, you can find me on the socials. That's TikTok, Instagram, and Twitter at BackIssueBens. And you can also find my work on Screen Rant, where I'm just pumping out articles. Drew, favorite, least favorite moments, and where people, where can people find you? Uh, favorite moment, diner scene. Like, I honestly think all of us have the diner scene, so. Uh, but least favorite, least favorite, uh, when our, when our, um, jackass serial killer kills his, uh, kills his, uh, bed partner. Like. Yeah, that part, that was uncomfortable. But that was intentional, so it's like. Yeah, it is intentional. It's still my least favorite part. (laughs) Yeah, it's not, it's not, it's, yeah, it's not a, it's not a fun scene. Yeah, uh, and you can find and you can find me at Drew Garrison underscore, or you can find um hold on, you can find me at Drew Garrison underscore on Twitter X and Instagram, or you can find or you can find me on my YouTube channel on the Writers Room. As for me, my favorite scene—I'm not gonna say the diner scene. You guys have, we already talked about it. I'm gonna say the ending. The mm. planes go by, and we see it earlier. It's teased. With uh, Robert De Niro's character, they're like, "Oh man, this is how he's gonna get shot." And then we see it with Hannah, and the planes go by again, and you go, "Oh shit, no! This is how he's gonna die." He sees the shadow briefly, and that's all he fucking needs, and he's able to get the kill shot. And then he just sits there with him as he dies. Is just it's a beautiful scene, and I think it also goes with the final nail in the coffin for I think audiences going like, you know what? I hate Robert De Niro's character when he basically pulls the thing he's told the audience he was going to do the whole fucking time, which, hey, if it comes down to my girl or escaping, I'm escaping every single time. And when he does that, you just go, you son of a bitch. You're like, damn, what a dick. Even though though he told us exactly what he was going to do. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. The character's so expertly written because of that reason like he doesn't tell you he's a good person it's just so expertly acted by robert de niro that you're just charmed by the guy you're just like yeah maybe he'll be fixed by the end of the movie you're like like maybe i could fix him but no i could fix him but no you can't this guy's just the worst yep uh as for where you can find me, you can find me in our discord the link for which is in the description of this episode chat with us about heat 
because man, we talked about a lot, but also we left a lot out because people should see this movie. It's amazing. Watch the damn picture. It's a three hour film too. So I don't think we're going to be able to get into everything. There's a whole lot that happens. It's basically like three to four mini stories that goes into a main story. So it's hard to really talk about absolutely everything. Um, we got anything else said before we get out of here? Uh, good movie. Everyone watch it. Well, yeah, get your get your heads out of that great ass and just watch the movie. Yeah, what he said. <laughs> we'll see you next week on Nerd Stop Movies with our great asses.